to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides. I am Jody Whitesides. And with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm all right. I'm a little bit under the weather, but as we always used to say, I shall rise above and deal with it. So That's right. You I'm are doing, a professional. Oh, total pro. Total pro. I'm doing all right. You're good? I'm good. Yeah? I'm even living up to my hair color. <laughs> okay. Cryptic without watching the video, but all right. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. It matches my it. last name at this point. Oh, okay. All right. That's the whole uh, point. So what are we talking about today? What's our topic of discussion? Delay 201. Yeah. Yes. It's almost Hence like a collegiate course. Would. Yes. <laughs> Hence delay. the uh, delay. Uh, yeah. delay. Yeah. repeats going on in there. Right. So and what exactly is delay, Chris? I think a lot of people think of it just as echoes. It's repeats after a certain amount of audio is played, right? And it's just echoes. What we're going to talk about specifically today is how to set delay times. Mm -hmm. With so many things today being what they are, where you can actually tempo sync, there is a formula that we're going to talk about today and how to kind of tweak that. And give us the formula, Jody, for setting appropriate delay times. Man, whoever thought that math would become so important in music, right? Right. Equations and stuff. Yeah. So there is an equation that helps you to determine how to figure out the millisecond value of your delay. Yeah. And that formula is T equals 1 over B where one equals one minute of time. And that one minute of time divisible into milliseconds is 60,000 milliseconds happen inside a minute. And then the B is the beat division that you want in your time, which is T. And that tells you the milliseconds once you've divided 60,000 by your beat. And that tells you how many milliseconds you need. I'm going to, to make that a lot simpler, in my opinion. Go okay? right ahead. Do it. Because <laughs> that, that's absolutely right. There are 60 seconds in a minute. We all know that. So the formula that I always think about is 60 divided by the BPM of your song. That ends up giving you the millisecond value for a quarter note delay. As an example, if you have a song that's, let's say, 120 beats per minute, you divide 60 by 120 and that becomes 0 0.500. So a quarter note, there is going to be 500 milliseconds. Sure. That's assuming that you know how to subtract a zero and a comma there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, so the value that you get is just the, the millisecond of the delay. Right. And then we take it further from there to set eighth notes. We obviously divide that by two. So you end up with 250. and 250 milliseconds for an eighth note at 120. Yes. If you're right. counting it at 120 BPM. Right. And the reason note. we're picking 120 is just because it's an easy math thing, right? But sure. it's the same thing, right? Whenever you go through and calculate that. It is good to know that formula, I think, because we can just hit the little button. You're going, Chris, why do we need to know this? I'll just hit tempo sync on the plugin that I have. Well, not everything has that. And as we're going to discover later on, we're, we're going to talk about creative uses, how we might want to tweak that slightly as well. Yes. And also if you're, you know, you're working with hardware units, right? To be able to set the millisecond time is, this is the formula that you can use. Yeah. I don't know too many hardware units that plug right into your computer and tell you, I know what tempo you're playing at. Let me calculate that shit for you. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, obviously there are, let's say, stomp boxes and things for guitar players and whatnot, where there's like a tap tempo and all this kind of stuff, right? Uh-huh. But if you're having like a rack reverb, be able to set the millisecond on that, that's, that's the formula that you end up using. Exactly. Hence the reason why you should know some math just to get by. Yeah, and it, it's not like we're talking about nuclear physics here, right? <laughs> it's, it's well, I guess simple. it depends on what kind of delays you're setting up there. <laughs> yeah, it's a simple formula, and that we, we can at least take the guesswork out. And again, just to get a little bit more creative with it. What's the, the last hardware unit that you actually used where you had to calculate out BPMs and tempos for delays that you set up? That was when I had my refrigerator for my guitar rack. Mm-hmm. I had my, my big rack and I had a couple of the pristine Elise's quadroverbs. Ooh. That's right, people. <laughs> Sexy, high-end piece of kit. No, but I was running that. And so in that, I would set you know the millisecond. Now, when I was doing a lot of that stuff, I didn't necessarily always tempo sync. Mm. So I had sort of like more of a wash kind of delay going on where I was doing my best Lukather or Landau or something, right? Trying to sound cool. Right. <laughs> so, Just but, but that, that was the last hardware unit I was using it on. And, and uh, you know, I've been in the box forever. So, right, right, right. Yeah. What about you? My last hardware box? Yeah. Same, same story as you. Sits in a refrigerator rack. (laughs) Yeah. I believe it was an Insonic when they made that multi-effects processor for guitars. Was that the, that was like the DP4 or whatever? Something like that. Yeah. It's a guitar unit that was made, I think, by Insonic. I I could be wrong. And it allowed you to actually rearrange the organization of the effects inside the box, which was rare at the time that that thing was released. Yeah. So, it, but you had to calculate that stuff out. You had to know the BPM of the song, and then you dial it in, like you say, with some milliseconds, because the hardware rack doesn't know what tempo you're playing at. It's just it's like, right. hey, I'm a piece of hardware. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then you got to just trust that your drummer plays in time, right? Exactly. <laughs> Hence the reason for but, click tracks, people. No, just kidding. Yeah. But that um, that in Sonic Unique as well, not to go off too on the deep end here, but I think that had. Two separate stereo outs. It did. Right? That had, was pretty cool as yeah, well. Yeah, you could take a mono input and then you could run two stereo tracks, so to speak, out of it. And it was pretty wild. It was pretty advanced for the day and time. I still own yeah. it. I just haven't seen it in a bunch of years. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, you use it all the time. All right? the time. You miss exactly. it tremendously. Yes. Yeah. Do you ever set like your delay times not to a tempo sync thing these days? No. No? It's always tempo synced? Yes, for the most part. However, I, as we'll explain later, do things to offset that a little bit. So uh, it's very rare that I do it strictly to the beat, but I do on occasion do that. That's your starting point, though. You always do it like a tempo sync and then, okay. So So for now, but if we're going to continue on with like, what am I using now? My hardware rig in terms of guitar or live use is a laptop or a Mac Pro kind of thing set up with that special functional MIDI pedal thing that I designed and built. And I run plugins based off that. Everything is tempo synced from main stage. Yeah. And then that allows me to have hyper control over the way delays work from there. I've gone backwards with comes my live rig. I've, uh, 
I'm back to pedals now because oh, I get wow. tired of hauling my, my rig around. That's but, why I uh, got a laptop. It was so much lighter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might consider going that route, but I, I don't really do a whole lot of live performing these days, but I'm currently using a TC delay. Oh, those are nice. The, yeah. The, the blue one. Oh my goodness. I can't remember what it is, but, but yeah. But you're ill, I, uh, so we'll give, forgive you for that. Oh, I appreciate that. I excuse my little foggy head today. <laughs> Besides hardware units, do you have any favorite delays than what in in your production when you're recording and stuff? Is there anything in particular that you, or let's say maybe types of delays that, that you like to reach for more than anything else? Hmm. In tracking, since I track mostly in Logic, yeah, the two delays that I reach for most often happen to be the tape delay and the stereo delay. Yeah, those are the two that I use most often when tracking if there's a need to hear the delays. When it comes to mixing, now that I've done more of my primary mixing in Luna at this point, the delay that I tend to use is the UAD precision delay, which is closest in nature to the logic stereo delay. Is it an emulation of anything or is it just like a strict? strict well, it's you know, an emulation digital. of their hardware delay unit. Mm. Okay. From Universal Audio. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> That's the best way I can say it. It's they're very limited. That's actually I take that back. They're not very limited. They actually do have a couple of other delays that I have not yet picked up in the UA platform. They have some old school type delay units that you can purchase that have recently. Yeah. One of them actually just recently came out, but and I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But I have not yet picked it up. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Time to go for more like mono delays or stereo delays or, or any other kind of incarnation of that. Or, I mean, I know it's program dependent here, but. It's always program dependent. So I'm going to pick up my glass right now and have a drink. Cheers. I'll do the same. Mm -hmm. Yes. Program dependent. If we're going to start running the different types of delays, here's a little rundown of things so that people can understand what we're talking about here. We've got sure. mono delays which means you've got one sound source delaying and it's staying one sound source as it echoes off into the delay abyss. Then you have, st <laughs> <laughs> then you have stereo delays, which is taking either a mono or stereo signal and then delaying that with two delays. And you can pan those generally in various forms. Then we have tap delays, which allows you to choose how many actual repeats you want. And hence, it's kind of a tapping thing. And then you can set each tap to be whatever time frame away from the original sound source you want. Then there's echo delays, which is awful similar to a mono delay. And then we have ping pong delays, where ping ponging means that your delays are could be mono, but generally they're stereo because it's going to knock onto one side or the other. So it's going to come out left or right or left or right or left, left right, left, right, left, right. Ping right. pong. Yeah. Like it's going back and forth in a ping pong tournament. And then there's tape delays and there's other kinds of specialized delays. And with tape delay, it's similar to mono delays and such where it's trying to emulate the concept of, say, an Echoplex, which was an actual tape machine that had a loop of tape in it that would play at a certain speed and that would give you the delay from your original signal. Now your delay amount would be how long your damn tape was. 
because it's constantly right, yeah. recording <laughs> and constantly is, playing yeah. back. So however long your loop was was how long your actual delay was from the unit. Yeah. So, but very so, noisy. But I think that that's the charm also that when we think of a tape delay, it it is not as pristine as I would say, perhaps as a just purely algorithmic digital? delay like a stagital. Like, Digital, <laughs> as opposed to like an algorithmic stereo delay, right? Where it takes off a little bit of a high end, and that gets into a little bit more of a creative use that we'll we'll talk a little bit about later. But which one of these do you tend to reach for first? Let's say that you have, let's say on your vocal lead mm-hmm. vocal, do you tend to use delay or do you? Oh yeah, not yeah. Yeah, I'm like a PhD professor in layering things for a vocal. Okay, easy <laughs> there. Don't break your arm patting yourself on the back. No, I, what I mean by that is, is that I don't use just one effect and I tend not to use just one delay. So I'm setting up multiple little things going on, whether it's, since we're just talking just delays today, I will say that I'm generally using more than one delay. On, on the same vocal, source? On the same source. Okay. At varying degrees of volume in the use of said delays when I'm creating a vocal sound. So how do I use that? I sometimes use mono delay. I'll use stereo delays. I'll use echo delays, sometimes ping pong delays in terms of setting up a vocal sound since that's what you've asked for. And I will use varying degrees of each to create a certain space for it. So running multiple buses, so to speak, to different delays for different sections of the song too. For different sections of the songs, I'm going to mix a different amount of delay or a different vibe to the vocal in each section. If that yeah, because that, that's an important part that when it comes to to the mixing, I think that is easy to perhaps overlook. But the more dense your arrangement is you might just muddy things up with delays. Mm -hmm. So if you have like a little bit more space, you can probably get away with a little bit more. But I've found that from my experience, it can be very easy to just sort of overcook that because it sounds really, really cool. And then you just end up washing it out. So yeah, you have to be careful about it. Yeah, it's very easy to overdo, Yeah, I think. But I do tend to use more than one delay in conjunction with another delay when it comes to vocals. With guitar, it's a different story. With other instruments, it's a different story. But with vocals, it's trying to set up that unique space, and each time it's a little different. If we take a step back and we go back to the whole concept of setting the time, that to me is a real important part to use of delay. And what I mean by that is, is that the groove of a song can be enhanced or ruined by how you use delay and what time you set it at. Oh, totally. Yeah. So this is where it's taking a step back. It's really important to think about your use of delays, rhythmically speaking, and why it would be technically important to understand how rhythm breaks down. Why we have quarter notes, eighth notes, sixteenths, thirty seconds, one twenty-eighths, half notes, whole notes, and so on, and then various triplet versions of that or dotted versions of those things. All of these things come into real play to create the flow of the song. 
Absolutely. And it's like CLA call, like the ad from U2, he called him like dotted eighth, right? Because that, <laughs> that's, the, that's the delay time that he tends to get for that very sort of signature U2 part when it comes to with, when he's playing with the echoes there, right? Mm-hmm. So all of those things matter. And just knowing where, it sounds simple, but just knowing what am I looking for? I want the repeat to happen on the beat, or I want it to be every other beat. So you're dealing with perhaps half notes as opposed to quarters. Or, or a fraction of the beat. Or a fraction of the beat, right? Where you might, let's say, you're attempting to create more of a slapback type of thing. You might go like 16th note or even less, you know, depending on the, on the speed of the song to kind of create that just like a little bit of a space as opposed to a big... Pink Floydian massive delay that that rings on through the space and time, right? <laughs> Inside a cathedral. Yeah. So it's things to, to think about, and it's easy to just oh, I throw a delay on it and then not spend a whole lot of time on it. But I think that's a mistake. I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot while doing that. And I know for me, and and probably you as well. But when I started out with this, I spent less time on that of thinking about that and just like, okay, here, here's the delay. Oh, it sounds awesome now, right? Let's say from a guitar player standpoint, that ping pong delay, when it goes left, right, left, right, sounds awesome when you're sending it home and you're just practicing, right? Mm-hmm. But it can easily become way too much in a track where it's like, so use with caution. Again, there, is it a tool or a weapon? Because you might end up <laughs> ruining your mix, right? Well, to think about what you just mentioned there in terms of how to approach learning delay, I spent an enormous amount of time personally learning to play to a click, to a metronome. Yeah. And then learning to divide those metronomic beats via divisions of notes, whether it be quarter note, half note, whole notes, letting multiple clicks go by, and then into eighth notes, dotted eighths, triplet eighths, sixteenths, dotted sixteenths, triplet sixteenths. I worked on all that stuff as a player for rhythmic ability. So when I started working with delays, I actually always thought about how I was going to use delays <laughs> before, yeah. before just letting them go willy-nilly. To me, a lot of the time, willy-nilly doesn't really work a whole lot unless you get extremely lucky. Yeah, but I think everybody also gets that part in the beginning when we kind of get a pass and it's just experimentation, Mm -hmm. right? When we just throw it on and see, okay, well, this sounds awesome. Lots of regeneration, lots of echoes, and it sounds fantastic. And then you wonder, what happened to my synth line in the mixer? It's just (laughs) buried now. It just went bye-bye. And with that... Let's take a quick word from our sponsors, and when we come back, we'll talk about creative uses. All right, we're back, and we're going to start talking about the more creative uses of delay. So, Chris, you were talking about a synth suddenly getting lost in the forest of delays when you're probably doing something with another instrument and a whole lot of it. What is an example of what you're saying? Well, I think, it, again, it's just kind of overdoing it, making it too wet. And unless you have a very sparse arrangement, it just turns into this bland soup of noise. It, it's very little definition. So I think just when we start adding delays to our sound, have a purpose what it is that you're attempting to do. Are we creating a sense of space 
or are we creating a rhythmic effect? Mm -hmm. Just like I mentioned, The Edge or U2, I think it's other bands, of course, as well, like Angels and Airwaves and Tom DeLonge does this all the time, right? Or your Very favorite successful. guitar player, as you mentioned earlier, Steve Lukather. Yeah, but even Steve is less of a rhythmic thing. And I think it's just his sound where it just creates space, where it isn't necessarily tempo synced. I think actually from his live rig that he has a couple of delays that are constantly set at the same value. Mm. So no matter so what he, the tempo, it's just same value. Yeah, exactly. Just I, to kind of create that space. I think Eric Johnson's kind of the same way because he, I think, takes he takes actual echo plexus out on the road. Which yeah. is just nuts to me. But, but yeah, but Eric Johnson is a special case. Yeah, so. he is. <laughs> Talk about audiophile, you know. Yeah. It's easy to overdo, I think. But to get creative with it is I think the first thing to do, and we sort of touched on this when you mentioned tape delay, mm -hmm. how it has a certain quality to it, where it's not that super pristine sound. So the first thing that I do just about all the time. And I don't think it's just about, I think I do this all the time, <laughs> is I use an EQ on the delay return mm -hmm. where I frequently will carve off a lot of high end mm -hmm. and a lot of times also low end just to, so that that delay doesn't take up all that much space in the mix and it just kind of muddy stuff up. Right. So that's the first one that I tend to think about. So do you use but, that with an EQ after your delay plug-in or your delay unit, or do you actually use the EQ that's inside your delays? My favorite delay at the moment, which is repeater, mm -hmm. has it built in. Okay. So in that case, I tend to just use that. Okay. The, the Logic one does as well. Yes. So I, I do that as well. Should it not have that, I will slap just a regular EQ, probably like Logic's EQ right. after the delay and, and just go from there if I need to. But that's a quick tip. I believe I did a Tuesday tip on this at one point where I showed that, and it was a, it was a vocal track. I believe it was your vocal actually, <gasps> where I know, where I did just that. I just EQ'd the crap out of the delay return because you can actually get away with having it a little bit louder when it's not so intrusive in all the frequencies. Right. That, I think, is just the first one. Don't be afraid to, to EQ yeah. your, your delay. I return. agree. And I'm sure you'll echo that. Echo that. Yep. yep, I echo that. Echo that. Echo that. Oh, <laughs> look, it's almost like I planned that, but I did that. <laughs> the one thing that I tend to do, especially when using stereo delays, is slightly yeah. offsetting one delay time from the other. And yeah. generally speaking as a preference for myself, and I don't know if this is because I am left-handed or not, I tend to make the right-hand side slightly longer than the left-hand side so that you get that spatial difference. But for some reason, I'm almost like 95% of the time, the left-hand side is closer to the actual sync tempo beat. And then the right-hand one is slightly delayed a little more. I don't know so why you I do that. Wow. But I like it's the just, feel of it. It's cool. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, you, you like what you like and you, it's just your the way you do things. Mm -hmm. I do this similar thing if I have, let's say, two guitar tracks or two anything in my session. And it's just, it just it throws me off if the top one is not the one going left and the bottom one is not going right. If they were reversed, it would drive me <laughs> 
crazy. <laughs> Note to self, <laughs> give Chris everything backwards to drive him crazy. Oh, I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's a good one. But when you do that, mm-hmm. do you – now, I'll tell you how I do it later if, if I do it differently. Okay. But do you offset both or do you just offset one? What do you mean by saying offset both? The the stereo returns on the delays. So do you let's say that you're going for initially a a quarter note, mm-hmm. let's say, and you say that you tweak the milliseconds there a little bit. So I'm assuming you're going out of the tempo sync mode and just changing the milliseconds. Do you do it on just one side or do you do the left and the right in the offset that in different directions, I'm assuming? More often than not, I do both. So in other words, they're never 100% tempo synced together. And it's very rarely that I ever tempo sync one perfectly. Unless it's a sound source all by itself and it's not stepping on itself. But generally most things step on themselves. So I slightly offset one and then I slightly offset the other a bit more. And when you say slightly, how much are we talking about here? Oh, we're talking tens of milliseconds it's not much yeah it's very little yeah that's exactly how i do it as well i'll have it i might tempo sync it first mm-hmm. and then pop it into unsync mode and take off 10 milliseconds on one and add it to the other well i don't i don't do it quite like that like if it's let's say i'm doing a quarter note stereo repeat mm-hmm. and let's say it's 500 milliseconds we're at 120 I will because probably... all music is at 120 as well, <laughs> yeah, as we right. all know. All DAWs, when they open up, is at 120. Yeah. I will set the left side to probably at about 510. And then I'll probably set the right side to like 512 or 521 or something. So that there's that offset. But I don't do it like 510 on one and 490 on the other, if that makes sense. I wouldn't bring one forward of the beat and one behind the beat generally speaking could i ever do it yes do i tend to do it no that's interesting i'm going to tell you why you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) now because that's the way i and i think of it as in the same way as you might do with a synth patch Mm -hmm. when you let's say that you have three oscillators playing a saw wave whatever you might slightly detune one or two of them to, to get really big fat sound, right. but I would go sharp on one and then flat on the other. So that's sort of like the the main pitch is closer. I wouldn't go sharp on both because then I'm just feeling like I'm sharp. So I treat them the same way when I do the delay return. So if I had that 500, mm-hmm. I might go 490 or so and then 510 on the other. Interesting. Yeah. Try that later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that. But, but that's, a, that's a big thing with, with, the, with the slight offset. One thing that is kind of interesting, I think, also when we're talking perhaps mono delays, or mm-hmm. we might just have like a vocal throw or something yep. where it just kind of like just throws it out on, on one word or whatever. Having it just slightly off tempo sync in a dense mix, it can actually make that echo stand out a little bit more. Yeah. As opposed to if it's just hitting right on the beat, it can tend to get lost a little bit. So you might actually get away with 
having it being a little bit more present if it's slightly out of tune or out of tune, out of time. Out of time. Uh, now, keyword there being slightly. Yes. Unless you're doing something really creative and crazy, then by all means, knock yourself out. You know? Right. What so are some other things you do with delays? Panning. Yeah. It almost goes without saying, right? But let's say that we're using that mono source again. If I want it as an effect, I might have it travel slightly just to, again, make it pop out a little bit more. And some people may not even notice that it's doing that, but to me, it just adds a little extra interest yep. to the signal. So if you have, again, on that vocal throw, perhaps, if you just have like a couple of repeats where it just goes slightly right and then slightly left and back and forth or panning across the spectrum, whatever it calls for. But that's another thing that I like to do. Right. What about you? What what other things that you might do? Kitchen sink, yeah. Throwing things yep. like reverb on after the actual delay, or throwing sure. some sort of chorusing or flanging or some other weird effect on it to give a different spice from time yeah. to time. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very cool. If you want them to smear a little bit more or just sit a little bit better, you just can throw a reverb on it or the chorusing that you mentioned, that that's a cool thing to do as well, just to yeah. add a little bit of more texture to it. So there's no rules to this except for the formula, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Know your math, know how to set your time. Yeah. And know your divisions of your beat that make your song either lock in or swing. Yeah. And that's another thing that's kind of important. When you start to swing, you have to know what the value of your swing is. Otherwise, your delays can really kind of throw that swing off. Yeah. It's all those things. But it's such a creative tool that it can seem so fundamental. And we use that technique all the time. But by just taking a little time and thinking about these little things uh, can really help you get some more creative and appropriate uses of, of delay. So it's things to keep in mind. Might sound basic to some, but it's important, man. That's right. And with that, yeah. we're going to move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got for us this week? Well, this one is particularly for you that don't <laughs> have a, a Slate ML1 that I have and talking into right now. And I really like a lot. They're on sale. For the rest of the year, I believe. As of the release of this podcast. As of the release of this podcast. Yes, we we are in beginning of December here. So, yeah, so don't come back and go, well, Chris said it was on sale. But, yeah, they're still running a sale on that. And if you're looking for a vocal mic. mic, Or just a mic in general. Or just a mic in general, yeah. It's you know, still on sale. So go grab one and no, I'm not getting paid to say that, but I do love mine <laughs> and I'm teasing Jody to, to kind of get one. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, that's, that's my discovery here for this Friday. What about you, Jody? What, what have you found for us? I'm looking at the new SSL big six, which is different from the SSL six. The big six is a new console unit that is designed for the home recording musician to track and record with and mix with. It's got USB compatibility connection to your computer, so it works with your DAW. It also has mic pre-inputs. And on top of that, 
the motorized faders and everything. You get your SSL G-Bus compression to go with that. So it's got that SSL vibe for your recording ability. And then it has your SSL quality as a console for mixing ability. And That's it's cool. retailing right around three grand on the, the retail, which means it's probably not going to be three grand, but pretty close to it anyway. <laughs> $2,999, I think, is the exact price that they are quoting as an MSRP. But if you're looking for something that gets you some SSL sound and quality to do some recording and mixing, that is a pretty handy piece of kit right there. Hmm. So nice. there you go. The, the big six by SSM is my pick. And while we've got your attention, we ask that you go post about us on your favorite forum and go to our website to leave us a review at insidetherecordingstudio.com forward slash review. You can also go to insidetherecordingstudio.com and sign up for our email list. You'll get weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the phrase, delay time, and you'll get something back in your inbox. If you have a topic of suggestion for us to explain in a future episode, please contact us and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. And with that, I'll say, see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thanks for listening, people. Bye.